0: We're now going back into the times of there's gotta be a true need to purchase a home. I believe that if they are not investing in real estate right now, that if they decide not to do it, they might not ever be able to buy a home or might not ever be able to invest.
1: Well, welcome to the podcast, Gusty. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. You know, when we talked, I was like, I've got to get you on this podcast okay. really soon because you know, spring's about to hit oh, and you're yeah. about to get really busy. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking the time Thanks, to, man. to jump on. I this. tell
0: people I just look, I've, I've stayed busy since twenty ten. So <laughs> it just is what it is. Like, catch just me if you can.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like I shut down for Christmas and 4th of July. Yeah, pretty much. And other than that. Yeah. So, what what holidays do you you know, every family kind of has traditions. Yeah. Every yeah. family like you may even have a favorite holiday. What are some of your favorite? Yeah. Like, I love this holiday or this season. You
0: know, I think Thanksgiving is probably my favorite, actually. Um, We go to—my wife's from Gadsden, so we go up to Gadsden for Thanksgiving, and we have this thing we call the pumpkin roll. Oh, okay. so just across the street from my in-law's house is this nice little hill, and everybody in our family brings their pumpkins from Halloween. And and now we're at, like, over a decade of doing this, like, pumpkin roll, and it's— It's some mad, you know, talk uh, through the year, like who's going to win the pumpkin roll. So now we've got like Neighbors that are coming. We've got There's friends bats that on are the coming. side Like who is coming into Gadsden? <laughs> we're going to the, we're going to the Minton's house for the pumpkin roll. So that's awesome. That's probably my favorite one just because it's a, you know, we just have fun. And, and obviously we love to eat. Like I grew up in the restaurant business and, and I'm, I'm not afraid to get in front of a nice meal. And so, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's just, a, it's a way for me to kind of, you know, turn off for a couple of days and then I'm a huge Bama fan, and so then you know now we've got it on Alabama, Auburn, It's Iron Bowl. Yeah, you know right after Thanksgiving. Yeah, and so
1: um, just keeps the week going.
0: Yeah, so I think that's my favorite. You know, I've got kids. I've got a, um, I've got a seven year old, and I got a five year old, and so Christmas is always special, um, and mainly just to see their faces. You know, Christmas morning, and it's nice to take a couple of days off. But I mean, those are really my. I would feel like those are my holidays, yeah,
1: do you have any like uh, preparing for the new year goal setting like structuring yeah. that you do um, leading up into through that season between kind of Thanksgiving and Christmas? Sometimes I think about setting goals and everybody's like New Year's resolutions and. You know, not to say that you can't set a goal anytime. Sure. But in my yeah. opinion, like if you're not already planning in October, November, you're already kind of behind the ball for the year. 100%. But so yeah. what what do you do to kind of get geared up for the year and kind of reset yeah. focus?
0: Yeah, so we do um, typically budgeting in September, October for the team. Um, you know, we get we get asked for a lot of, you know, sponsorships, donations, all these things. So we like to try to have those in by August. So that we can really plan what you know the next year looks like, but really our planning starts really July first. You know, it's um, you know, I mean we've we've created kind of a machine with our team, and it's kind of a monster. So you know, we've got to we've got to plan you know a good ways out. It's not just you know December 29th, Hey, what we doing in, in next year? <laughs> yeah. that, that just doesn't work. Yeah, um, yeah. So we're we're definitely in advance. I'm a, I'm a numbers person. I'm watching year-over-year year numbers. I'm watching trends. I'm watching things by the week. Um, so, you know, I think the more planning, the better you can be as a business person. And, you know, I mean, look at the last two years of real estate. Um, mortgage interest rates changed. They changed on a dime. Yeah. And they, ch- and they went up quick. Yeah. Well, even if as much preparation as you can do – you still can't really react to those kind of things as probably quick as you want to. But as much preparation as you can, can help, you know, get you through different troughs.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, you know, it's funny because we saw those huge dips and then these huge climbs and it's almost like we've become normalized to like, Oh, the interest rate's going to shift real quick. Mm -hmm. And I think we're coming into what I would call is starting to be a normal market, hopefully. I yeah. I don't know if we're fully yeah. have enough data to say, okay, it's normalized and we're consistent. Yeah. But I don't think we're gonna see these, you know, hopefully whiplash rates yeah. back and forth. I think it's just bad for our economy. So well,
0: I completely think it's bad. I, I mean I think <laughs> I think a lot of this is artificial. I think it's very much political. Yeah. Um you know I I I, I definitely think that uh, a lot of politics is driving this these interest rates unfortunately, yeah, I mean, if you look at you know typically what we do like I guess a rule of thumb is look at the ten year treasury note, add one and a half to one point seven five percent that should be your interest rate, right. Well, now there's an extra 1% risk tolerance because nobody knows what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's why, you know, a lot of people are having these conversations like, oh, we think, you know, rates are going to go down. Well, if you look at the historical number, they should be a percent less than what they are right now.
1: Yeah. It's so uncertainty. Yeah. And I think they were even higher because we saw that when the Fed came out with the um, just news of like, hey, we're probably going to drop in 2024. Everybody, like, there was a little bit of a gap. I think it was even higher than that 1%, and now it's still, like, a gap of insurance and yeah. coverage and stuff. But yeah. So you run a team. you got 19 agents right. on right. one of the larger teams on e, with eXp, yeah. you know, my broker as well. And I think, you know, you talked about the preparation ahead of time. You talked mm-hmm. about you're a numbers person and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to dive into your knowledge base, You've seen agents be successful. You've probably oh, yeah. seen a few agents not be successful. Sure. Um, what – this is kind of a personal question because I'm an agent too. Yeah. What do you feel like are some top traits of an agent that you see as successful in this business?
0: Yeah, number one, consistency. Um, I find that most people, um, you know, they think that if they're on social media, they're working. no. You're on social media. Um, I I feel like most people do not treat real estate like a job. Most people are not in the office from nine to five. And and that doesn't mean that you've, I mean, we're in a cloud-based company, but I've got an office or I might go to a co-working space or I might go to a Starbucks, you know, anywhere that you think that you can thrive. Like I personally have a hard time working at home. Because I'm easily distracted, whether it's kids, whether it's trying to do dishes, whether it's doing laundry. Like if I don't get out somewhere, then, you know, I'm going to lose time. Yeah. And so I don't think that people plan very well. So what we try to teach our, our team is have your business meeting for the week on a Sunday night or Monday morning. Jot down everything that you need to knock out for the week. And if you know what you've got to do for the week, you're gonna knock out as much as you can, like as quick as possible. Well, guess what? If you knock everything out, then take the rest of the week off.
1: Yeah. Don't delay that. Don't delay yeah, that and yeah. do the consistent actions. So
0: I think I think it takes planning. I think it takes consistency. I think you gotta prospect daily. Mm-hmm. You know, what we're what we're teaching our agents on our real estate team is we we want them to contact at least fifty people a day. And, and I think a contact to me is either um, a phone call or a text message. I think email is white noise. So I think it's got to be in a phone call or a text message. Um, I think that you need to do at least one social media post a day. I think you need to do at least one social media video a week. If you could do one social media video a day, I think that's even better. <laughs> and I think you've got to – you know. Have fun with it. Yeah. You know, call your call your friends. I think you need to spend like thirty minutes a day and calling the people that you know and it doesn't necessarily have to be about real estate. Yeah. But if they know you and they know you're in real estate, they're they're gonna ask, you know, tell me about the market. Yeah, yeah. How's how's business? Yeah. So you can come into those conversations and it doesn't have to be about real estate. It will always come back to real estate. That's
1: good. Okay. So I'm gonna flip the flip the coin. Okay. I'm I'm a potential client. Yeah. What am I looking for in an agent that I want to work with? Oh, man, that's a great question.
0: You know, you want somebody that is going to advocate for you. You want somebody that is, um, is going to communicate the way you want to be communicated to, whether that's a phone call, whether that's a text message, whether that's an email.
1: That's an interesting thing. So, so effectively you're saying my communication style, I want them to reflect that mm-hmm. and almost mirror, yeah. you know, how I operate. Yeah. And so there may be an agent who is not a good fit and it's not because they're a bad agent. They just always do email and you prefer a phone That's call.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just like, you, you also have to know yourself and you've got to know what's going to be great for a client. Like if you've got some, like for me, like, I'm, I'm like, let's go. Let's move this. I don't have a lot of patience personally. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so,
0: like, I have to really kind of slow myself down. So I know the people that need a lot of patience, I'm probably not going to be the best fit. Yeah. But I've got agents on my team that are a great fit. So if you need a lot of hand-holding, you've got to make sure you've got an agent that is going to hold your hand. Yeah. I'm not a hand-holder. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you're uh, like, let's I'm a things bull in the china shop. that is the way I am. Um, you know, I'm like ready, fire, aim. That That's my style. So, you know, I think that's very important communication style. You want to be able to work with somebody that obviously you trust. Um, you know, I don't think that we're just door openers. I mean, we're, we're, we're to make the deals happen. We have to have great relationships with other agents. I mean ninety percent of the deals happen as a co-op. So if you don't have a great reputation, if you don't have integrity, you don't have great relationships with other agents. It's hard to get those deals. Yeah. So you've got to work with somebody that um, that is out there in the community and is working hard. And um, and so I think those are a couple of things that somebody should look for in an agent.
1: That's really good. And I and I would say that when it was really competitive, when rates were you know three percent and everybody's getting 50 offers on a house i mean you had to be networked and you had to be the person because then it was like on the phone like this is my offer this is why i want my buyer and you had to advocate at a whole nother level in addition to preparing the contract and potentially doing lease backs and dropping inspections i mean you had to bring the whole thing to the table and i talked with several like you know, sometimes friends are different. thing. I was like, are they doing this? And they're they're like, Oh no, no. And it's like, you have to have an agent who can bring the whole, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole kit of tools to the table to advocate for you, especially in a tough market.
0: Not only do we have to sell ourselves as an agent to the other agent, we've got to sell our clients, especially in those multiple offer situations. Like there there's, I mean, there's kind of all rules go out the, out the (laughs) door in multiple (laughs) offer situations. So, you know, I think you do, as a as a, as a a home buyer, you've got to really trust your agent. And, you know, sometimes, you know, our most successful clients are the people that listen to us. Yeah. I mean, it just, it is what it is. I mean, I've been a part of over 3,000 home transactions in the Birmingham market. Like, we know what to do. We know how yeah. to get things done. But we also still get curveballs. You know, we still also see new things. So we're still trying to train and learn how to negotiate maybe – in different ways or how to communicate in different ways. But yeah, I mean, we, we've got to sell ourselves and we yeah. got to sell, sell the consumer too. Yeah. Help, help you them know? get the
1: house that they, they want.
0: And I think that takes like, you've got to, in the, the, the buyers have got to do their preparation early too. Like I when when I'm bringing an offer to the table, I want the other agent to know that it's going to get to the closing table. You know, you're not going to get real finicky over inspection, like, you know, $5 outlets, Yeah, you know, things like that, where, you know, maybe a, a parent comes in and play and they're like, oh, look at all these, you know, red flags. I'm like, it is literally an outlet cover. <laughs> you know, you can get that for a dollar at Lowe's. Yeah, you know? yeah. it, yes, it says safety hazard on the inspection. It is a dollar to fix. You
1: know, let's let's look at the big stuff. Look at the big things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always tell my clients, I say there's real estate money and there's grocery money. And let's not be negotiating with, you know, a real estate transaction with, goal, uh, you know, grocery money mindset, yeah. you know, in grocery like money, a thousand dollars is a lot of money. I mean, that's potentially, yeah. you know, a month's worth of groceries for some people, but in real estate, that is a drop in the bucket to get the right house, mm-hmm. to be in a home, you know, and have the right amenities that you want. I mean, it's, it's pennies on the dollar to concede that kind of amount to get the deal done. Yeah. So, um, okay, so 3,000 transactions. I did, I knew it was a lot. <laughs> That's impressive. That's a lot. Um, through that, you know, we do a lot of transactions as well. Yeah. And you kind of, when you only have a few transactions, you kind of don't get a pulse. But when you're doing that much business, you have 19 agents, yeah. you see a lot of different, you know, stuff come across your desk. I wanted to kind of go over the recent numbers. Sure. And then also just talk about the Birmingham market and kind of what you're seeing, trends, all that kind of stuff. So sure. um, one thing we'll we'll kind of dive in. So listed in 2023 was 1,832. And in 2024, we were at 1,700. So basically, it's almost 7% negative. What are your thoughts on, you know, obviously people are staying in their homes if they've got a 3% interest rate. But I feel like there depending are the other, yeah, depending on the situation, agreed. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's other factors at play. And I'm curious as to your opinion on why we're still seeing these negatives. Yeah. Is it only the interest rates or is there other factors? It,
0: it, well, we're now going back into the times of there's got to be a true need to purchase a home. When we had 3% interest rates, you could just move houses to move houses because you could. Okay. Yeah. So now you've got to think about historically, why did somebody buy a house? They, maybe it's their, um, they got married. Maybe they got divorced. Maybe they had a kid. Maybe now they're empty nesters. Maybe they got a new job. Maybe they got relocated. Maybe they lost their job. So those are typically the reasons why somebody is making a change. And so, you know, now we're looking for those folks. So, like, if you're on Facebook or Instagram and I see somebody that is, you know, getting married, it's Q and me to say, congratulations, time for a new home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, those kind of things. Don't you want this home together? You know, so it, that's that is what's moving the market. I think that's one play. The second play is yes. interest rate. What are you going to do? You're going to trade it for a 6% interest rate. Well, at some point you've got to make the decision of if you need to grow in your house, do you renovate and maybe pop the roof, go back, make it nicer. Um, But sometimes even the construction cost might be a little, little high. So it still, it might make more sense to go and buy another house. It's just a puzzle that your agent and yourself have got to put together. So a lot of people don't want to put their house on the market because they don't know where they're going. So they've got to find the place to go before their house comes on the market. So it's
1: it's an interesting thing too because that unless a significant life change is happening, that's a really complex and emotional thing to process. And residential real estate's (laughs) emotional. Yeah, I mean it is. Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, So that that's a really interesting perspective. Yeah. Um, Solds was down nine percent yeah um you know i think some of that comes from residual just poor um inventory like some Mm -hmm. stuff that's like leftovers people are like well um i'm not going to go ahead and get a high interest rate for that house if i'm going to do a high interest rate it's something i want you know and this is not what i want so but with these kind of metrics where do you see gaps of value of like potential you know um opportunities to buy equity. Yeah. Well, let me touch
0: on one thing before we get into that because you've got to realize that for for over a decade really since the recession, we have underbuilt every year. We have not followed the pace, the the builders that are out there have not followed the pace of the 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 product that is needed. So that's that's one of the issues that we find as far as inventory goes. Well, then let's add on top the interest rates, you know, changed really quick well the cost to develop land is more expensive the cost of construction materials is more expensive so when you look at you know what are the houses that are being built right now i mean you almost have to be at a 450 plus thousand our house to see any kind of new construction unless you're going you know really into the suburbs so you know it's it's one of those things where there's just not a lot of inventory because cost and we're just, <laughs> we're just so far behind over the last 15 years of building Right. So I just, I wanted to touch base on that.
1: No, that's really good. So, you know, now your your question was finding equity? Yeah. I mean, like, where are the gaps in the market where, because like I've thought about the fixer upper, right? Mm -hmm. The ones that the flippers can't pick up because they're not distressed enough. Sure. But there's carpet and paint and maybe a few, you know, mid-range repairs needed. Yeah that most people don't tackle because they're like, that's a headache. Sure. Like, I feel like there's a few houses on on the market that you can get for about a 10% discount and find some some equity. Yeah. Um, but flippers can't touch it because the margins Cause aren't not good. A mar- yeah, sure. So other things like that, yeah. or if you agree yeah. with that or.
0: No, I think, I th- all right, well, all right, look at a home that has been fully remodeled, most likely when it comes to market, is going to have multiple offer situation. I would agree. As long as it's priced right and obviously, you know, everything, all the all the tangibles are there. Yeah. Well, if you've got something that needs a little bit of sweat equity, you know, maybe it needs flooring, maybe it needs paint, maybe it needs kitchen upgrade, a bathroom upgrades. You know, yes, you know, me as a consumer, whether it's a first-time home or second-time home, I don't want to do that myself, but that might be the way for you to get a home. And then you can get some of these repairs, you know, and upgrades completed, and you do have that sweat equity. I mean, I think that's really the best way to enter the market, and really, it's the best way to actually get a, a home. Yeah, you know, especially if you look at the last couple of years of multiple offer situations. I mean, we worked with some folks that made ten, twelve offers and didn't get houses. That's
1: bonkers. It is. That's great. And I'm sure a few inspections along the way. And, oh, yeah. You know, I was telling my buyers when I was working with them, I was like, budget, you know, 1500 bucks for inspections, because we're probably going to do a few before we can yeah. we, we get land the house, you yeah. know. So um, average days on market and medium were up. Um, we'll just go with medium, because yeah. I feel like that's a more consistent trend. Sure. It was went from 17 to 24, mm-hmm. which feels not significant, but it's a 41% increase. Yeah. Um, I'm not seeing that across the board, and so I kind of wanted to break down prices, yeah. and and what you're seeing. So yeah. a good example is we talked about it before the episode. Rob's house, um, you know, it was in the 600 plus range in a highly sought after place. Mm-hmm. Um, and he obviously knows how to prep a house, sure, get it looking good. Yeah, when it goes under contract in two days.
0: Yeah, makes sense.
1: Um, I have another you know person I know who, you know. Has put out a house. It's even in a higher price point, and it has. I think it's overpriced, to be honest, a little bit, not much. Didn't listen to their realtor. Has a great realtor, but didn't listen sure. to her. And it's sitting on market thirty days. Yeah. And so, obviously, price is a huge factor. But in yeah. general, I wanted to go through price points. So, yeah. under a hundred thousand dollars, what are you seeing the movement? Are those houses staying in general, or or are they move? I
0: think it depends on the condition. And, you know, I mean, we've got a lot of investors. So one of the unique things about Birmingham, Alabama as a whole is we have – we're 49th out of 50 states in lowest property taxes. You know, I mean, that we're like the, the Saban of property taxes, okay? I mean, He's like, like
1: sliding in that Alabama you know, football that's reference right. right there. That's right. I mean, like,
0: how awesome is that for investors? I mean, from a ca- you know, cash yeah, flow yeah. standpoint – so we have all these people that are from all around the country, investing in in Birmingham, Correct. looking for homes that are we'll say a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So that's a tough market, and so typically I, I see it's really based on condition. Yeah. And the things that are that are you know usually in pretty good shape, they're going to get you know swiped up pretty yeah. quick. If they're if they're already rented, probably going to get swiped pretty quick. Yeah. Um, if they need. Uh, some some type of uh, repairs. Mm-hmm. It just depends on. All right, is it? You know, can you make those repairs uh, and still make the numbers make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So 100K. I, I mean, I still think it's moving pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, what about 100 to 150? And I'm going to kind of broaden the ranges, yeah. but that's I, to me that's a section of it's. Borderline investor still, but also turns yeah. into owner occupant. I yeah. mean some people yeah. just still want to home it, yeah. you know.
0: Well I th- I think here's here's the unique thing about that. Um, you do get into your first time home buyers in that position. And so they're gonna need a little bit more assistance. Typically first time homebuyers are gonna need closing cost help. Um, so, and, and, you know, you might, you might have to go through a contract to get to a closing, Yeah. you know, you might have to go through multiple contracts <laughs> to get to a closing. Okay.
1: No, I mean, that's true. I had one so that we did about. five because yeah. we had three separate FHA buyers fall through and not due to like yeah. inspections. We had yeah. gone through inspections We had, yeah. and it's just different sequences of events. They, they couldn't. Get the finances. Yeah, well, so. you, you
0: know, one thing that's interesting is I'm seeing a lot more uh, FHA and VA mm-hmm. loans, but in a higher price points.
1: So oh we've, we've yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So like
0: we've got a we've got one that's under contract right right now. That's a VA and it's a four hundred and sixty thousand dollar house. Wow. You know, we've got we've seen some FHA stuff in the threes. And, and so we're seeing some of these kind of, you know, government-backed, you know, loans and a little bit higher price points when they were kind of always known as like entry-level
1: homes. We saw in um, – it was more in like probably September that uh, there was the surge of FHA offers. It was like September, you know, around that time and – and I was like, "What's going on?" And I called a few lenders, yeah. and what they said was, even people who were approved for conventional were going FHA because the rates. The, the rates were so significantly were, yeah, different. That's right, you know. So it made it made sense to pick up the extra, you yeah. know, negatives of an FHA yeah. loan, the PMI, and all that kind of stuff. So, um,
0: and people are actually accepting those where yeah. two years ago, I mean, correct. I mean, if you've got <laughs> if you've got a conventional, if if I'm representing a seller and I'm looking at a conventional loan as compared to FHA, VA, I'm, I'm going to most likely lean to the conventional side Yeah, because there are some things on a VA and FHA that could pop up. You know, it's lower down payment, so what if we have an appraisal issue? Um, or FHA, VA have certain things that they've got to um, check mark on the box. So, like, we got a VA appraisal back, we've got to do some repairs. We're typically on a conventional, we're not going to have any repairs. Right. So now, with the market shift – now, but this yeah. is, uh, <laughs> has we're been changing, we're, we're, we're getting back to the selling season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, how's that going to look like for FHA and VA buyers, you know, yeah. in the next few months. that
1: yeah. uh, They had a window where we got a lot and we're getting accepted and yeah. going through. So, yeah. okay. So 150 to 250, what are you seeing?
0: Yeah. I mean, we're still seeing good movement. I mean, we're still seeing really good movement. Our, um, you know, our days on market for the team last year was 13 days. The year before that was 19 days. So we saw actually a decrease in days on market last year. Um, But I also think it's like how we prepare a home for market is probably different than the average realtor. So I think, you know, like anything with numbers, you can skew any kind of numbers. But, you know, you've got if you if you are preparing the homes, those days on market are going to come down a good bit if they're priced right. Days on market is going to be coming a bit, yeah. coming down a bit. You've got to realize that you can list a home for anything. You know, you can throw out a price like a million dollars, and you can sure get some average days on market and increase that. We we saw then, a few in
1: East Lake, or one in East Lake. <laughs> I'm not getting into that. He's like, listen, Todd, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna explore that.
0: I, um, I will. personally say I would not have built a five hundred and sixty thousand yeah. dollars house in East Lake. But
1: yeah. It is um, an interesting thing. Yeah. Recently we we had for for the sake of people knowing, we had a home go up in East Lake, which is an up and coming area. I think it the growth got stunted a little bit when covid hit and rates and sure. you know, and then they got jacked up. But um but what is typically, I would say max, I would say average is about 100 to 160. Yeah. Higher end really nice rehabs we're going for the 200s. Yeah. Um there was someone who went in brand new build and it's listed for 560. So it was yeah. lighting up Facebook pages it was oh, just man. crazy and um just an interesting no perspective. Doubt. But um let's continue on. Yeah. So 250 to 400k.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're still seeing good movement there. You know, yeah. I think again, I think what it really boils down to is are you pricing a home accurately? Are you getting a home ready for market? <laughs> Like, are you doing your paint? Are you doing your yeah. landscaping? Are you doing upgrades? You know, do you have a budget for going to market? Do you want top dollar? If you don't want top dollar, then maybe you just price a little bit less. Let somebody have that sweat equity that we talked yeah. about earlier. And and but two fifty to four hundred. I mean, our average price in the greater Birmingham markets. You know, three hundred is is where we are. Yeah, hover it's around.
1: in that pocket for sure. Um, what are your thoughts on four to six? You know, when you get to four or
0: six, you typically – this is typically going to be somebody's second house. So do they have to – I've never heard that before. I, I feel like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so do you need to sell a home to purchase a home? Can you afford multiple payments and then sell that first house? Or do you plan on keeping that as an investment? So, you know, I typically, I mean, I find – I remember about a decade ago, I had somebody as a first-time homebuyer buy almost a $600,000 house. And I was like, dang, where'd you get all that money? (laughs) You can't hide money. (laughs) I'm like, all right, okay. Um, You know, it's it's more prevalent today because it almost has to be.
1: Yeah, 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 that's true. But it it is an interesting thing because when you're talking about basic needs, you know, roof over your head, a decent amount of bathrooms, decent amount of bedrooms, decent amount of square footage, a good school – you can get all that in Birmingham in that three to 400 range And, 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 and honestly pretty nice, you know? Um, but, in that four to six hundred k, it really starts to become a few of the extras are luxuries, not have tos. Sure, absolutely. You know, and so that's an interesting perspective of of it's like a second home, a second purchase, a move in, turning the old into investment, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what about I guess I wouldn't even say six hundred k plus is luxury, luxury, but mm-hmm. that starts to push into you know yeah. um, a less. Populated section sure. of our, 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 yeah. And town. I think it also
0: depends on what suburb you're at. Yeah. I mean, a 600,000 could be entry level in some of our suburbs. Correct. So, you know, people are, you know, doing whatever they can just to get into a, a school, into a neighborhood, into a, a, a city. And, and maybe they'll have to do renovations on that 600,000 house. Yeah.
1: So yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of unique. Um, but are they moving less, you feel like? Is there, or is there just in that, Once you're at that price point, money is not a one percent is not going to make or break your deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at you know go through MLS and look at million dollar plus sales. You know, I'd say the majority of them are going to be cash. Mm -hmm. So an interest rate is not going to really impact them as much. Yeah, but a lot of folks have again got to sell a house to get that six hundred to a million plus house. Um, unless they're paying cash, yeah, so you know it's but I mean, I, I had one in Vestavia uh, towards the end of last year that the sellers did an amazing job prepping the house. It looked amazing. It really looked like something you'd find in a magazine. and it was the highest price on that street ever. and we had five offers, and this was priced at seven ninety nine. We had five offers. Four were cash. The fifth was conventional, but could have gone cash. We had two people that had pre-inspections, pre-offer inspections. Wow. Uh, we ended up with everybody removed the contingency on inspection, and it ended up selling for nine hundred thousand. Wow. So what was amazing that that was in Vestavia. Yeah. So that's one of our you know higher net worth cities yeah. in, in our market. But what it, sh- it what surprised me was how much money that people had in their bank accounts.
1: Yeah, it's out and, there,
0: and I was just like, I was I was blown away. Yeah. Um. But we had an amazing turnout at open houses, um. And and everybody and a lot of people just want to see the house. Yeah. Because so it was those so are fun awesome. listing. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, this this is a fun <laughs> listing to have. But I wish that everybody prepped a house for that. Um, because we're looking at, I mean, they got above top dollar. Yeah, I mean, really. Yeah, yeah. Highest price on the street ever. Yeah. Um, All the
1: neighbors are like, "Yay, they come!" Yeah, <laughs> you know?
0: yeah. Uh, oh, I believe me, I was like, I had people like texting me, "Thank <laughs> you, thank you." I'm like, "Look at like, your house." <laughs>
1: uh, okay, so I want to digress a little bit. That's yeah. really helpful information. Yeah. You mentioned you're you're an Alabama fan. Oh yeah. And we've had some changes. I want to get your personal take on it.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean. Um, Nick Saban, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. But, you know, I think with anything, you know, change brings opportunity. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I've ran a team, and I've uh, this is, you know, almost like the third iteration of a team I've had. Um, change brings opportunity. So, you know, well, I mean, we had Bear Bryant years past, you know, legend. Obviously. Humble brag, it's, you yeah. know. I mean, Saban legend, you yeah. know. I mean, I think I think as a as an Alabama faithful, you want to be able to, to back this guy. Obviously, if we can get somebody that's really half of what Saban is, I think it's a win. Yeah. Um but you know what? I think that college football is completely interesting with everything with NIL, you know, the the ability to just pop into a transfer portal. Um you know, I I think money, I think that there's going to have to be a lot of changes um, to to kind of get the the train back on the tracks, because to me right now it's the wild wild west. You know the people, the 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 programs like Alabama or the A and M or Texas, uh, Ohio State. I mean, they're gonna crush everybody because you know you've got if you've got a team like all right UAB, you know they cannot compete financially. Yeah, in that ball game. So you've got to be a dang good coach. And to get your players, I mean, because you're probably, you know, you're at best, you're getting a four-star. Right. You know, so you're trying to bring two to four stars into playing, you know, if you got a team like Bama, I mean, they're signing six five-stars, you know. And, and I think, you know, all the stars are open for interpretation, but how do you coach? I it, I wouldn't want to be in that business. I mean, completely difficult. Um but I will cheer Alabama till the day I die.
1: I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, I was, you know, I'm not an Alabama fan, an Auburn fan. Um, not originally from here. When I moved here, I was okay. told I got to make a choice. Yeah, so, well, that's that's <laughs> typically, hey, are you Alabama or Auburn? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was it, uh, it, it was pretty strict. Strict, but um, but I I thought you know I always respected Saban for the systems and the the, the level of excellence and the process. Yeah. I was just like, it, it was something to admire, and mm-hmm. it really inspired me to, you know, in my own professional life and all that kind of stuff is like, look at how, cons- like we go back to talking about the, yeah. the consistency of an mm-hmm. agent is like showing up every day in life and being consistent and doing what you say you're going to do and doing the fundamentals. And he embodied that for the organization for so long. And I think he'll continue. You know, I mm-hmm. think it's an interesting thing of – his legacy is not just, like, dead because he's not on campus every day. Right. You know, it's it's through the coaches and through the staff, um, through the teammates who still are there, and also through, you know, even the culture of the campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, it, it will be interesting how it all plays out. But, um,
0: well, now he'll be on, you know game day and all this kind of stuff. I mean, oh, uh, will he? he they, oh, they've, okay. they've announced him for game day. And I'm surprised he, did. so, he didn't want to
1: do that. Just his personality and kind yeah. of how, how he – I just don't see him wanting to, to be in that limelight. My, you know,
0: my thought was I really thought that he was probably going to go really lobby um, Congress to get college football back in order. Yeah. That was kind of my thought process. Yeah. And um, – but, I mean, I think you can do that same thing on camera with College Game Day or being a part of, you know, whatever, you know, sports network. Yeah. You can get your message across. Yeah, for sure. And he's going to be able – you know, I mean, I think I think for the most part, whether you are an Alabama fan or, or not, I think most people respected him.
1: Oh, 100%. For what
0: he – accomplish what he did hated him sometimes
1: i'm sure yeah so, so well, i mean there. you know so you can, it's, it's so like a, it's hard to hard to not get frustrated sometimes you're like you're so good but i think going back to change is opportunity
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i think even when a team faces them it's like we can whine about it and complain about it or we yeah. can just get better yeah and it can inspire us to to see greatness and become that great too hmm and so any challenge in life, you really have to – there's two ways to look at it, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, so, you pick well, yourself
0: up or, you know, just lay down. Yeah. I mean, it's really, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, a lot of times I'm like last one that leaves the office. And, you know, um, people are like, you know, what drives you? And I'm like, well, I got a lot of bills. That drives me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: got some <laughs> mouths <know>? to feed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, and I also look at it as, you know, there's a lot of people on my team – that, um, believe in me and, and I have to make sure that our team is making the best decisions for everybody. Like I, I do have a lot of mouths to feed, you know, there's a lot of families that depend on me and my decisions. And so I don't take that lightly. And so I look at it from, you know, I really take the mindset that I'm the savior of real estate You know, that's the way I kind of have to look at things. You know, a lot of people have, you know, believed in him. They, you know, put their careers on the line for him. You know, and I've got a lot of real estate agents that put their careers in my hands. Yeah. And so I'm trying to bring them the best opportunities. And so, you know, I have to come in with that mindset of, you know, like all these people depend on me and I've got I've got to make the best decisions and create the best process and and um, and then come out there and, and be consistent and win.
1: I love that. And just the attitude of service to others, you know, and putting them in front of yourself yeah. and wanting them to succeed is just yeah. awesome. Yeah. So uh, we talked about, you know, the lack of inventory. We talked mm, about yeah. expensive home prices. Yeah. Talk me through some of the new opportunities you're exploring that yeah. could solve some of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love real estate and I think a. will When I was president of our association back uh, five years ago, one of the things that we were working on was affordable housing. And, you know, whether it was through different housing authorities, making sure that they talked, making sure that there was grants, making sure that there was down payment assistance options. So we were working on affordable housing before it really, you know, a 30% appreciation over the last three years. So, with everything that's kind of moving forward, you've got to what? Got to look at technology. Where is technology going? Um, you know, there's some stats that are out there in the construction industry. For every seven people that get out of the business, one person's coming in. Well, where's your labor force? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot of people that are just like, yeah, I want to be a carpenter. Yeah, I want to be a HVAC. I don't see a lot of people that just want to do that. So you've got to create workforce development, you've got to create those options, or you've got to create technology that, you know, helps support that. So what we were looking at um, over the last two years, we've been focused on, you know, what can we do to provide affordable, attainable workforce housing? And so we said, all right, well, we can, what about 3D printing a home? You know, people. Uh, uh, people have asked me. You know, what is that paper? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> no you, the 3D print is with concrete. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we are working towards being the first builder in Alabama to 3D print a home. Um, it's going to be most likely in the city of Birmingham. We're going um, to have some partners in, in Birmingham and some of the, the big companies in town that, that we hope are going to jump on board, but that want to be a part of the, the first 3D printed home project in Alabama. And so um, what we believe that will bring is we believe that we will eventually see a 15% decrease in the price of a home. We believe that we can do that through debt service so the, the time it takes to build a home, you know, there's, there's costs for holding all this uh, from a builder standpoint. So if we have reduced time, less debt that we have to service. Labor force. Well, if you find labor, it's usually pretty expensive right now. Well, now we can frame a home a lot quicker, and we have three people instead of 15 to 17 people. So we can, we can frame a house through 3D concrete print, um, a lot cheaper. Less waste. So think about like you got, if you're in a new construction place, you've got these dumpsters, everybody's, you got these big boards that people are throwing away. Like there's usually a lot of good stuff that's being thrown away, a lot of waste. We can reduce a lot of that. So that's, there's some savings there. And then you talk about just utility efficiency. In a concrete printed home, you're going to see most likely less mold, you're going to see um, utility bills be a lot less, um, and so we believe that you know just the the cost of being in a home is going to be cheaper. So, yeah, we will. Um, you know, our game plan is to create some developments that are 3D printed homes. Uh, we believe that there is going to be some education that we're going to have to educate folks what what that you know is what that looks like, but. Right. You know, I mean, I, that's where the future is going. That's where technology is taking us, and and I believe that I believe that people, if they are not investing in real estate right now, that if they decide not to do it, they might not ever be able to buy a home, or might not ever be able to invest because the pricing just might get to a point that is un, unachievable.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about. A you know, you know, effectively for such a long time, home home ownership has been a possibility for a lot of people. Not Absolutely. everybody, yes. You know, I, I get there's there's certain economic stuff, and um, but it is an attainable thing, and that's not necessarily the case worldwide. Mm-hmm. You know, and to really dive into the compression of labor. The compression of of money and rates, and then just the appreciation, it's becoming a, an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think far greater than I think we've really fully solved. And it's cool to see that you're kind of working ahead of the. I mean, I say ahead is probably a long time solution coming, and that's really exciting and stuff. Yeah. So, when do you think you guys are projected? Like, is there a window time? Yeah, that pilot this is project.
0: Go? You know, I mean, our game plan is to to 3D print the first house this year. Man, 2024. That's great. Um, and our game plan is to to print uh, a good many of them next year. So that's that's what we've been working on.
1: Man, that's exciting. Yeah. It, it, we talked it on the podcast, too, about because Rob was working on a project and, and we'll see where that lands. But there's so much before you actually see a tangible house. There's so much work <laughs> putting in time, conversations oh, like yeah. all that. What is like a guiding light? that you have like anchored to when you're working on projects that don't necessarily have the end goal or the the tangible thing to grab onto it feels like such a far thing way sure. i'm sure you've done that with your team of like yeah. you you know you didn't start with 19 agents Mm-mm, you no. started with one you That's know right. or a few and you had a vision for something bigger but you held mm-hmm. on to something in, yeah. deep inside of you what do you feel like that drives you to those bigger, audacious goals?
0: Yeah. You know, I think for me, you know, I'm a big goal person. And so once I feel like I've I've completed something, then I'm looking for other opportunities. Um, You know, I'm I'm so invested in real estate. It's like, all right, how can I, again, I provide more impact? Well, you know, if we're building houses, well, that brings the Gusty Goules group opportunities to sell homes. So I'm creating more inventory for one of our businesses yeah. by building things. So that was one way to look at it, but it's more uh, to me it's a passion project. You know, to be able to provide, you know, we had I remember one of my clients back in 2015. He he called me up and after the closing cuz I didn't know this. He goes, "I am the first person in my family to ever buy a home." That's awesome. And I'm like, "Wait, Wait, are you serious? Yeah. He goes, and my dad never was a homeowner. My granddad never was a homeowner. Like, this was not a possibility. I am the first person to do this. And so, you know, I, I just, I believe that providing these affordable houses will have a huge impact not only in families, uh, you know, g- generational wealth, Um but I think it's you know it could help moving from rental to home ownership that could potentially impact crime in a positive way. Mm-hmm. That could potentially impact education. You know, I mean, there's there's if you look at the city of Birmingham, one of their measures is like school attendance. Like, why are <laughs> they? I mean, they shouldn't really have to measure school attendance. Like, you should, you know, your parents should be saying you've got to go to school. Well, you know. I think that that would help with school attendance and, you know, getting jobs. And, you know, you don't want to – in my opinion, you don't want to just live on the government. And so I feel like by doing all these things, we're creating a better Birmingham. I mean I think that's what it really – you know, I think that will end up becoming my legacy you know i feel like i've accomplished a lot in real estate um, and so this this is passion and legacy project
1: i love it man yeah i agree i think there's something to be said for the pride of ownership you know there's the financial benefit to a family of mm-hmm. owning a home and the you know it's one of the massive indicators of of generational wealth starting to create is through owning homes Absolutely. and owning real estate but um but I think it does something inherently to the value people have in themselves. Um, when you feel like you can sustain mm-hmm. a a safe place for the people you love, yeah. there's a pride that starts to grow in, inside of you. And, um, and that, like you said, affects crime, affects, you know, whether we get up and decide to go to mm-hmm. school, you know, yeah. all those things are inherently, you know, important. And I think, what I love about this, you know, interview and the story that the stories you've told is I think a lot of your legacy will be providing, you know, finding ways to provide value to people and, mm-hmm. and help them. Um, and the catalyst is real estate, but yeah. but really your heart to just, you know, serve and, yeah. and help others. So it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but. Thank you. I feel like we could have sat here for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And it feels like, you know, I think it's probably been about an hour, but, but, you know, it's gone by so quick. I think your depth of knowledge – and um has just been incredible Thank i appreciate you. your insight yeah. i always say time is like our most valuable asset 100% and so for you to come in and share um, you know with me is just is huge so yeah, i appreciate it a ton man yeah. how can people get a hold of you yeah. um, reach out to you your team yeah. um if they want to work with yeah, you yeah
0: best i mean like social media i'm on facebook i'm on instagram i mean shoot me a message there um, you know our website gustygoulasgroup.com. I mean, that's really the best place. I mean, look, you can find me. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, hard not to find me. <laughs> if, they, if they if they can't find you, you're doing something wrong. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this one time I had somebody was like, "Um, are, are you still in real estate?" And I was like, "How did you get away?" <laughs> how did you, like, like, as much as we've done in marketing and advertising, how do you not heard? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, That's so it's funny. just kind of funny. But, yeah, man, uh, no, I really appreciate, you know, having me on. And uh, I think it's cool what you're doing. So, you know, continued success to you.
1: Yeah, appreciate it, boss. Talk to you later. Yeah.